Welcome back to the third season of Gold Diggers. This is the podcast created by 25 unsuspecting psychology students at the University of Georgia, led by our frenetic professor, Dr. Michelle Van Dellen, who's an expert in the field of social psychology. We're going to be mining the research of goal pursuit and self-regulation to bring you everyday stories with a scientific twist. Follow us on this journey as we unearth the grit and determination of the ordinary individual who digs deep to achieve something special. We know as much as you do about where this is going. Goals! Can you dig it? Try to envision yourself at 19. What were you doing? Were you in your freshman year of college? Just trying to figure out who you were and where you belonged? Or were you at your first job? Maybe still living in your parents' basement? I know for me at least, I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life at 19. I mean, I had goals, but I had no idea how I was going to make them reality. Girl, I feel you. When I was 19, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. A year later, I completely changed my life path and now I want to be a psychiatrist. We're expected to know what we want to do with our lives at such a young age. But how often does that actually play out the way we thought it would? For this episode of Gold Diggers, you've got Alex and Emily here welcoming Laura, the Executive Director of Extra Special People, a nonprofit organization commonly referred to as ESP. So Laura, can you tell us a little bit about your story and what ESP stands for? Yeah, so uh, my title is Executive Director, which means that I do everything from raise money to scrub toilets and everything in between. Um, ESV is a place that creates opportunities for people with disabilities and their families to do three things, to engage, uh, to connect with one another and people without disabilities, and ultimately to thrive. We like to say that we are not a babysitting service. We are not just a caregiving service. We're a place where kids are doing remarkable things, going above and beyond expectation here. So we serve individuals ages four all the way up. Uh, We actually serve over 600 families in 30 counties throughout Georgia. Um, And that's kids with autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, you name it, we've never turned a child away because of their disability. What's one of the amazing parts of Laura's story is that she took on this role of executive director at age 19. Laura began her journey at ESP when she was just a freshman at UGA by volunteering just one Saturday a month. And that's how she met Martha, the founder of ESP. Incredibly intimidating yet like (laughs) vivacious and wonderfully um, enthusiastic individual. Martha soon became Laura's mentor and encouraged her to grow through leadership experience at ESP. So I said as that 18-year-old, what can I do next month to help volunteer? And she said, you can run music. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I took piano growing up. I don't have much of a voice. So I had no idea what that meant. So all month long, I thought about what in the world am I gonna do at ESP? Mm-hmm. And so I brought my little boom box. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know what that is these days, but 15 years ago, everyone had a boom box. So I brought my little boom box with a CD and played crazy, silly songs. I think all the people that had been there for years were looking at me like, what? What is who this is this crazy girl? And I just remember Martha sitting there, she was like in the back of the room and she had her arms folded and she had the biggest smile on her face, kind of half laughing at me, half laughing with me kind That's of a thing. And um, that was really my first moment of leadership here at ESP. And really from that point forward, um, that following summer, I worked as a summer staff member and then kind of in the middle of the summer, she 
gave me a note and said, it was a Friday afternoon of camp, and she was like, don't read this until you get home. And I was like, okay. And of course, I am not a rule follower. And so I read it as soon as I got into my car. Yeah. Um, and she, it was a very, it was, I mean, it transformed the way that I viewed myself. And she just said that she felt like I needed to be on the leadership team. And she was like immediately putting me on the leadership team in the middle of the summer. And I was like, oh my gosh, this so is. You grew like exponentially, like within a few small time frame very small and I think it was just all a part of this plan of mm -hmm. like you know I, I mean I feel like from a spiritual perspective God knew I needed those moments to believe in myself yeah. and the end of the summer is when she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then she passed away October 8th that year mm -hmm. um, so I think those moments of her really believing in me and pushing me to be in front even though I didn't have the years of experience that a lot of the other students had had mm -hmm. um, gave me the courage when it was time and there was no one else to take over the organization I mean, I feel like I did what every other stupid 19-year-old would do, but <laughs> yes. um, I said yes. It's crazy to think in such a short amount of time, so many things were transforming for Laura. She had so many positive influences shaping her goal success. We know from scientific research that having positive support from other people really shapes the success of a goal. People can even influence the success of a goal without even being present. Yeah, and we see this firsthand with Laura and Martha's relationship. Since Martha had so much faith in Laura right off the bat, the event of her passing, albeit heart-wrenching, did however drive Laura to flourish in ESP's environment. Not only did she have the positive nudge from Martha driving her success without her even being there, but she also found the drive through her spirituality. Laura's strong connection to her faith seemed to be a major motivator in helping her achieve that goal. Research shows that people pursuing a goal that they believe is related to God or spiritually driven are more motivated, more confident, and more focused on completing that goal compared to those striving to complete a goal that is not religiously driven. So like what made you say yes to that? It's a great question. I, I think in general, I'm a very yes person. Um, and I feel like I'm called to do certain things. So we can see that Laura's faith really drove her to take on the unexpected of becoming executive director of ESP. During this time of transition, Laura was aware of the importance of this role, and this allowed her to persist and be successful in her new career. You know, this idea that like, if I didn't, who would? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it was, um, that has kind of stuck through the last 15 years. Like, if I don't do it, who's going to? Um, if we don't push the limits of what employment looks like for people with disabilities if we don't keep growing our family support program if we're not going to expand in other cities like who's going to do it so at this point laura was committed to taking on this role but wasn't really sure where to start but what laura did know is that she was in the right place at the right time and felt like there was a reason as to why she was being asked to do it yeah laura accepted the fact that she didn't know everything about being executive director but she embraced the reality of not knowing I'll also say there's something really great about not knowing mm -hmm. if you're humble enough to surround yourself with people who know. And I think like that's been my secret sauce all along the way is that even now, 15 years later, I don't pretend like I know what I'm doing. So I think there's something really beautiful about like the humility of not knowing anything mm -hmm. because I learned at 19 
I need to find an expert in finance. I need to find an expert in nonprofit management. I need to find an expert who knows these kids and these families. And so I just surrounded myself with people that could help, yeah. and I've always done that since. And so there's a winning team. There's people who want to help and want to be involved. And um, I think if I would have come in and taken this job at 35, I think I would have thought, I know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have had that humility, but that 19-year-old, Everyone knew that that 19-year-old didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> yeah. Since Laura decided to surround herself with these knowledgeable people, she was able to get the help she needed to become more successful executive director. When a person is humble, they are able to prioritize the needs of valued relationships. Laura knew she needed help and guidance, so she prioritized these needs of useful relationships. So as Laura would continue to move forward and build ESP, she came to realize that sacrifice was going to be a key component in being successful. Laura first had to sacrifice her social life to some degree when she started ESP. I am just one of those people that has a capacity to literally work 14 hours a day. I just have always been wired that way. Even though Laura at 19 had to sacrifice her social life and other things, she approached these challenges instead of avoiding them, which led her to have more positive emotions about the sacrifices she had to make. Laura juggled college, a full-time job, and multiple part-time jobs, as well as an internship. So how did you manage taking on all these tasks at once? So I was a sophomore in college. Um, so I, I, yes, planned camp, hired 30 staff, raised all the money, um, finished my sophomore year. The other crazy thing is because we had a deficit, I had to get some part-time jobs at the same time to had no idea we had a $50,000 deficit. I learned about after I said yes. <laughs> I actually ended up working as an intern in our campus ministry, which really helped me learn about working with people and motivating people and um, interacting with people that were different than me. So that was actually really taught me a lot. And I also had a lot of support from that family of people. Laura continued to work hard by graduating college and proceeding to work towards her master's degree in grad school. Little did she know that this would be the hardest season yet. In the middle of earning her master's degree, not only did she get married, she found out she was pregnant and wasn't sure if she was ready to be a mom with all that was going on in her life. And to be honest, I was, I, I did not, I was not ready to be a mom at all. Um, and I always share that I feel like it was totally in the cards for me to get accidentally pregnant because I think I would have just kept moving as quickly as I've always moved and kept saying, next year we'll try and next year we'll try and I would have focused on career over family and I think that God knew I just needed to be thrown into it, literally, <laughs> just like every other thing in my life, like thrown into it and I would figure out how to add it. Yeah. Because many obstacles were thrown Laura's way, she strongly believed that God meant for everything to happen the way it did, which caused Laura to be more approach-oriented when these obstacles came. Right, and in combination with Laura's faith, her passion for ESP also helped her persevere through these obstacles and approach them head-on. Since they were a young family, as many of you can imagine, money was tight. Laura would be forced to make some harsh sacrifices in order to keep food on the table for her family while continuing to keep ESP running. Throughout all this, Laura still did not give up and continued to push through. Being a married young mom, I mean, there were times where our lights were turned off and times where we had to put back groceries. And I think that time in our life has helped me so much to 
have compassion on so many of our families here and understanding like, I don't know what it's like to have a child with special needs, but I do understand what it's like to be a mom who needs to feed her child and puts peanut butter, eats peanut butter and jelly so that her son can have formula. So anyway, yeah, it was a rough, rough season. Even with these sacrifices that Laura had to endure, she continued to see the bigger picture and didn't let daily frustrations keep her from working towards her goals. Yeah, her perseverance and passions for her goals helped her to overcome those obstacles that she was faced with and helped her maintain her vision by recognizing how lucky she actually was. So when I was going through those moments, I'm like, well, I have a really supportive husband and I have a beautiful child that doesn't have a disability. And so it was always kind of that. I think that's where the spiritual side of things for me kind of spoke to, okay, this is my mission and this is, this is the ministry that I felt like God had given for me to take care of and I got to keep moving, got to keep moving forward. <laughs> Research supports that people like Laura who express gratitude are more likely to exhibit pro-social behaviors that indicate their desires to help and benefit others. This makes sense since Laura was so grateful for her family that she decided to enter into a career that supports other people. Laura's connection with her internal spirituality laid the foundation for her goal commitment. Because she looked to God for guidance and was passionate about both her faith and ESP success, she had more confidence in her ability to achieve her goals. In addition to having more confidence, her spirituality helped her be more productive in achieving her goals. Research shows people who are more spiritual are also more likely to be more productive and focused while at work. Even though Laura had her faith to guide her through these tough moments, she viewed these moments as valuable to her journey. So and you had to make a lot of sacrifices, obviously, as you went through this um, time, but were there any that you felt like knocked you down specifically or that kind of helped you Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Because I feel like your sacrifices can motivate you at the same time as really tear you down. So how did you navigate that? There were a lot of sacrifices made, but I think I, I look back and I don't necessarily see sacrifice because I also see the gift in the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Like had there not been a sacrifice, there never would have been a gift. Yeah, and that's an awesome way to look at it. That is a, that's, yeah. that's really motivational mm -hmm. for other people. So. Yeah, I mean, and I'll give you the example. So, and I've started kind of vocalizing this a lot more, but there's this interesting conversation happening regularly about working moms and the challenge of being a working mom. And, um, you know, my three children, don't get to see their mom as much as other moms and you know their friends mom picks them up from school and mom eats lunch with them a couple times a week and mom is there to take them to dance and i have a babysitter taking my kids to dance and all of those things but i feel like every time i've reevaluated that i think about what they are getting here at esp as children the experience that they're getting around people of all abilities they love this place as if it's their own. I mean, they feel like they are just as much a part of the family as any other person. So yeah, I think there's a lot of sacrifices, but in each sacrifice, there's a gift that couldn't be given if there wasn't the sacrifice to begin with. Because I think so many times people can use their sacrifice as an excuse to not continue with the gift that they've been given, so or to just deter them from their motivation of succeeding. Absolutely. As we can see, these sacrifices really helped Laura grow in all aspects of her life. 
Yeah, Laura has grown tremendously as executive director and has set goals to expand ESP in ways that she never imagined would be possible. She has overcome so many difficult challenges to make ESP what it is today. Sometimes with great sacrifices comes great rewards and growth, and Laura found that out firsthand. Over the years, Laura has accomplished so many things with ESP, including raising money for a new building, which was not an easy task. When we decided uh, to build this building, it was on the heels of the recession, so no one was donating anything to any nonprofit. So it was just hard to make our, our yearly budget, let alone launch a $3 million capital campaign. We had a waiting list 100 deep, and it was like, you know what? If we don't do this, if we don't try, then we're never gonna serve the waiting list. So it's either like I sit here and look at this waiting list and keep, let the waiting list keep growing, or we try to do something even if it feels dumb to do. Um, and so I remember, so it was October of 2011, um, the Georgia Theater had just reopened and right after it reopened, we had a big awareness event that we had never done before. We invited all of these people to come to tell the story about how we wanted to build a new building and expand our programs. And I didn't think anyone would show up. I was, you know, I was faithful that they would. Sent out all these invitations. We had 300 people show up and um, shared this vision that we want to raise $3 million in three years. And I remember after that, um, we I had all of these well-known, dignified, wise individuals sit down and meet with me and tell me, Laura, you cannot raise $3 million in three years here. And it was all out of like wisdom and love, but it was just like, you're, you're putting something out there that is outrageous. Like, and so my response was always like, if we raise 200,000, we'll serve more kids on the waiting list. If we serve 500, if we raise 500,000, we'll figure out a way to serve more kids on the waiting list. And, um, and so we raised $4 million in three years. Wow. Wow. $4 million is absolutely incredible. It's amazing to think of all the good Laura and ESP were able to do with that money. But Laura's journey and growth through ESP does not stop there. Laura mentions that people wanted to help and wanted to be involved, which created the positive feedback that Laura needed to make herself and ESP thrive. She has also helped expand ESP through two new separate branches, Miracle League and JavaJoy. Laura, can you explain what Miracle League and JavaJoy are? Yeah. So I'll start with Miracle League. Um, everything that we have done and any big dream that we have had has come from a need. And then it's like, okay, here's a solution and we're going to go after it. So the need um, that came along with Miracle League was that we, uh, you know, we have 20 different after school enrichment programs, eight weeks of summer camp, we're serving 600 families. But one kind of repetitive uh, conversation that we've had for, from families is we want our child to be able to be on a team. We want more recreational opportunities where they get, we get to go to a game and watch them. You know, we would ask questions like, what are your typical kids getting that your, your untypical child is not getting? And over and over and over again, it was this idea that they wanted their child to be on a team, work towards certain skills, be able to be cheered on. They wanted to go to games and meet other families that were also on the kids' teams. And um, we were introduced to Miracle League. It actually started 
in Georgia and Covington, and now there's 300 leagues throughout the United States. So it is a big organization and um, kind of works like a franchise. So essentially you buy into the name and you buy into the structure and then you run it or a, a city or a government can run it as well. Um, so we found out about it and we were like, that's it. Like a fully accessible baseball field with a rubberized turf and there's a screen so that every kid gets their own walkout song and can see Aww. themselves on the screen. <laughs> so cute. It's kind of half baseball game, half dance party, which is pretty much how everything goes around here. Like <laughs> half after school program, half dance party is pretty much how we roll. And so um, you're like, we have to do it. Like we've got to do it. And it's really not the opportune time because we're growing Java Joy and got several other things down the pipeline, but how can we not? And um, so we pulled together, the board pulled together, said, okay, what is this gonna cost? Um, it looked like about a million dollars is what it was gonna cost. And um, so we said, all right, we're gonna go for it. We're gonna do it. And um, so we started in August of 2018, is that right? Yeah. And um, made the announcement at Foley Field with Scott Strickland and the baseball team and did a big announcement that day and then started raising money then. And so since then we have, um, in December is when we reached our goal, it ended up, the more we got into the design, the more we realized, okay, it's not a million dollars, it's closer to 1.7 million. Okay. And so um, so we reached that goal in December, and so now we actually get to implement. So that includes a fully accessible baseball field and a fully accessible playground so that kids without disabilities and kids with disabilities can play together. Okay. So um, the company that we work with, they have all this research that shows that if a five-year-old without a disability and a five-year-old with a disability have no no boundaries to their play if they are able to play on the same equipment that not only will they play together when they're five but they'll also continue to play together when they're 10 when they're 15 and that five-year-old without a disability is going to be much more inclusive and much more empathetic when they're 20 right. than they would if they hadn't had the opportunity to play with that five-year-old it just warms my heart knowing how happy something like this will make all of those kids it's truly incredible Laura put importance on Miracle League and became fully committed because she saw there was a need, which gave her motivation to bring that to life at ESP. When someone has a personal goal that they want to accomplish, Berg suggests that there are two types of personalities that can be used to finish this goal, either task-driven or socio-emotionally driven. Someone who is task-driven is motivated by the actual accomplishment of the goal in the short-term future. Someone who is socio-emotionally driven is motivated to make decisions with a bigger long-term goal in mind. When it comes to Miracle League, Laura was definitely driven with a socio-emotional approach. The big picture of equal play for all ages was her motivation to raise this crazy amounts of money that she did in such a short amount of time. What's even crazier is Laura not only decided to bring Miracle League to Athens, she was also expanding another big project, JavaJoy. JavaJoy is growing, so um, JavaJoy is our mobile coffee cart uh, run by adults with disabilities, and the idea is that we are um, empowering them to maximize the, what we think that they have that many of us don't have, which is a joy that is transformative. And so people come up to a cart, somebody books it, and so it's, the coffee is free for the employees of that organization or the customers of that organization. 
and you walk up to the cart and you get a great cup of coffee, you get a little inspirational card and you get a hug. Aww. And it's so just <laughs> like a connection, human connection and touch um, that is unfiltered and untainted and it's a beautiful interaction. I can only imagine how many people's days are brightened up with something so simple yet so caring. We have been in Athens, we started it again there was a need and we met the need and figured out a way to do it. Had no idea that it would grow the way that <laughs> it's grown. Um, started with a Kickstarter campaign and it we've run it for three years here in Athens. Uh, we have 20 joyristas, what we call them, instead of a barista, they're joyrista. Love it. <laughs> and um, we did 190 events in this last year. So everything from banks to hospitals, on campus, large manufacturing firms, I mean, you name it, it works everywhere. Um, and so we were, we do a lot of bookings in Atlanta as well. And we were in Atlanta, a venture capitalist who was in Atlanta experienced Java Joy. He had never had an experience with someone with a disability and was completely captivated by the entire thing. And so he's the one that called me back last April and said, I wanna bring it to San Francisco. So again, we said yes, yeah. and we figured out a way to do it. We're, we're growing it, and then we're gonna expand it in Silicon Valley. There's a need there, and there's a lot of organizations there that works, but what's beautiful about it is, yes, it's going to work in every city, no matter where you are, in any country, no matter where you are. Um, our next cities to launch are Atlanta. It's gonna have their own Java Joy, um, Rome, Georgia, and Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. And then so we've that maintain that that would be an extra special people thing, but it'll branch out to these different cities to work alongside the, to meet those needs there. Right. Okay. So um, Java Joy is actually it's it's a separate LLC. Okay. Um, and so Java Joy for liability and risk will is its own thing, and then each city will have its own LLC nestled under Java Joy. Okay. Um, and they'll each have their own manager that will be um, hired and employed and managed through the, the headquarters here. Okay. So um, similar to like a Chick-fil-A model where it's more of like an operator in each city, but they all report back to headquarters. We wanna make sure that every Java Joy is the same no matter where they are, um, instead of like franchising it out of sorts. Um, so yeah, and then there's, there's Austin, Texas and New York and Orlando and all these people have come to us wow, and good. said like we want to do this That's so, awesome. so yeah it's really cool and it's gonna provide opportunities for a lot of our volunteers and staff to go and be city managers and other places so that's gonna be really cool just that opportunity to stay mm -hmm. with ESP and go to a really cool city and run a job joy in that area so um, it's been a really fun um, really challenging but really fun opportunity that I mean it's essentially starting over and building a whole new right. business um, alongside ESP. Wow both Miracle League and Java Joy were huge projects for you and for ESP this must have taken a lot of support. Any goal is hard to accomplish let alone if you have no support. Earlier we talked about how Laura had financial support from people not related to her. These were not the only supportive people that helped make the success of ESP come true. Research shows that both family members and romantic partners influence motivation towards a goal. If they are positive and supportive of your goal, you are more likely to reach your goal. Your family has been so supportive. What roles do you think your husband Joseph and your family played in this journey with you? 
So he's seven years older than me. So he was, was, is, will always be that like constant. I'm kind of up and down, always pushing the envelope, always going. And he is just that steady um, voice of reason. Somebody said recently, like, Laura, I don't know that you realize how big ES or how big Java Joy is. And I was like, I think I do. And they were like, have you told your husband just to like buckle up? And this was someone who didn't know me very well. And I was like, he's been buckled up from the day that he met me. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. He knows what he knows what he's in for and he loves it. So, um, so yeah. Kids do too, which is great. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're headed oftentimes go with me to some of these crazy places and they love it. It's amazing to see how many people supported and encouraged Laura throughout her journey and still continue to do so today. Laura began this process as a 19-year-old volunteer, and through hard work, sacrifice, and continuing motivation, she's helped ESP to grow into an incredible organization that supports so many children with disabilities and their families. In addition to growing ESP as an organization, Laura also grew as a person and learned a lot about what it takes to be successful along the way. Laura shared with us her personal philosophy and words of advice for those who are also seeking to accomplish an important or long-term goal. Yeah, I kind of spoke about this earlier, but I feel like there's, there's really two ingredients for success. And I think the first is humility mm -hmm. and being willing to seek advice and guidance and mentorship has been a big part of my journey. So, um, saying I don't know how to do this or I'm not sure how this is going to work and seeking other people and a connection with other people who can help guide you or help support you during times where you don't think you can do it. So I think humility is is cannot be understated in, um, in terms of how I've been successful. Um, and the other is grit. I'm a big fan of just grit and I think you have to be able to be willing to work hard and to go through really hard things if you want to be successful and that is as a mom, as a manager or a boss, as someone who wants to, to reach a certain goal, it's like it is. it takes hard work and it takes sweat and it takes failing and it takes um, people not caring what other people think. I don't know about you guys, but those are some great words of advice that I think we could all take something away from. Laura mentions two ingredients for success, one being humility and the other being grit. These two qualities are backed by scientific research as being effective in helping people pursue their goals. It's important to note that Laura's ingredients, humility and grit, are more effective when you focus on what you can gain from the situation. This is called approach motivation. Sacrifices that are taken by approach rather than avoidance contribute to greater personal and relational well-being. After listening and learning about Laura's journey, we, along with Laura, were amazed at everything she went through and was able to accomplish. Looking back on it now, 15 years later, I mean, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I would have wanted to have stepped into this role at 19 because I think it taught me lessons that I couldn't have learned at 35. We talked to Laura about what she's learned about herself during this process and what she wants people to take away from her journey. Through the last 15 years, it's been less about learning who I am and more about whose I am. And for me, it has been a faith journey for the entire 15 years that I've been here. And it's like, you know, did I, was I, was I an amazing fundraiser at 19? No, but I was chosen to be in that position. And so I was going to be given the resources 
And so I kind of feel like anywhere that I kind of like set my feet, if I feel called to be in that space, the resources are gonna come, the, the skill sets that I need are gonna come. Um, so I think it's, it's less of learning like, I have what it takes, if that makes any sense. And it's more about like, he has what it takes, just go. Um, and so it really has become less about me and more about him. And, um, and I think that that's probably the most beautiful thing about it. And what I would want people to learn about me is that it's really not me to begin with. And I'm just walking in obedience to where I feel like I've been called. And, um, and that's how I feel like I want to live my life is in in obedience, even if it's crazy, and even if it's putting Java Joys all over the United States, it's like, we're gonna do it, and somehow God is gonna give us the resources to be able to do it, and He always has. That is, wow, that was yeah. beautiful. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gold Diggers. We would like to give a special shout out to the UGA Digital Media Wing in the MLC. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at Gold Diggers Podcast. And that's Gold Diggers with a Z. Thanks, season one. All right. Till next time.